The Lord be with you. So as I said before, today is the day that we get to baptize my daughter, Sophia. And this is the start of my plan to raise her as a follower of Jesus. Because today we baptize her, next year she goes to Sunday school, and a dozen years after that she goes to confirmation, and then a few years after that she goes to a Lutheran university, and a few years after that she marries a good Lutheran boy, and a few years after that they move back to Chico and start giving us good Lutheran grandkids who come and participate in the life of the church until many years later, when I am dying, Sophia and all those grandkids sit around me and they hold my hands and we say together the Lord's Prayer as I breathe my last. And in that moment, Sophia will hear Jesus calling to her saying, follow me, and Sophia will say, Lord, first let me bury my father. And Jesus will say, let the dead bury their own dead, but as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And I will say, what? Jesus? My daughter darn well, Betty, better bury her dad. Look, I know following Jesus is important, so maybe it would be reasonable for her to say, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go say farewell to the people in my home. Seems reasonable, but no. Jesus says, no one who puts their hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Hey, Jesus, what's the deal here? If, if raising my child as one of your followers is not to teach them to honor their father and their mother, what is the point of it? What's the whole point? Well, today, Galatians 5.1 tells us, Christ has set us free for freedom. That is the point. Today, I bring Sophia to the waters of baptism, not to ensure that she will live out my plan for her life or my will, but so that she may know the freedom that is in Christ. Now, last Sunday, I talked about how in baptism, Sophia is set free from every demonic voice that might try to convince her she is other than who God has proclaimed her to be. That in the waters of baptism, it is a personal flood like Noah's to drown out every voice that might try to convince her she is not what God saw at the beginning of all creation, that she is good, very good. Not because of what she has done or because of what she has chosen, for she hasn't done or chosen anything right now, but simply because who God made her to be. But the waters of baptism are also like the waters of the Red Sea, which the people of Israel passed through to escape slavery and enter freedom. In the waters of baptism, Sophia is set free, and Galatians tells us that she is set free from God's law. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, wait a minute. If Jesus is God, and God gave us God's law, why is God now trying to set us free from the very thing that God gave us? which makes sense. And the answer is this. God gave us God's law to teach us how to live and have abundant life. But we as people have this tendency where any time we say, hey, your self-worth, your identity, your worthiness of love, it's tied up in what you do. Instantly, we as people will say to each other, ah, you didn't do it. 
or ah, you didn't do it enough, or hmm, I bet you could have done that more. And we as Christians love to do this to each other. This is what we see in our reading from Luke chapter 9. There is a village that has been asked to welcome Jesus for the night, and the village says no, and so Jesus' disciples, James and John, how do they respond? They say, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to consume them? People don't offer Jesus a place to spend the night, and so the disciples' solution is blast them with a fireball. Now, it may seem silly, but we as Christians, we love to do this, right? Anytime we see someone doing something that we think is a sin, we say, ah, God's going to blast them with an eternal fireball. In Paul's time, when he's writing the book of Galatians, the issue that people were trying to blast each other with was circumcision. And there were some people saying, if you don't get snipped, God's going to blast you with a fireball. And other people were saying, no, no, now that we have Jesus, if you do get snipped, God's going to blast you with a fireball. And Paul says, you know what? Maybe instead of making laws to control each other's bodies, maybe we should help each other trust in Jesus because it is Jesus who... All right. Cheers for Galatians. All right. Because it is Jesus who determines our relationship to God and not the law. In Luke chapter 9 when Jesus' disciples try to think, no, there is something that determines your relationship with God, and if you screw up, we will blast you, Jesus rebukes those disciples. Jesus rebukes James and John because Jesus has come not to condemn the world, but to save it. Jesus has come to save us and to set us free, to set us free from a life of fear that a single mistake we might make might condemn us to an eternity of hellfire. This is why Jesus has come to set us free. Jesus sets us free from God's law, not because God's law is bad, but because in baptism we receive the assurance that God's love for us does not depend on what we have done, but what Christ has done for us, and nothing can ever change that. And so I bring Sophia to the waters of baptism today to set her free first from God's law, but second, I bring her to these waters to set her free from familial law, to set her free from the law that I, as her family, will try to impose upon her. Because you see, after Jesus rebukes his disciples, telling them that he's not in the fireball business, Jesus encounters three would-be followers. And with each of those followers, Jesus forces them to confront their relationship with their family and how it relates to their relationship with God. To the first person who is interested in following Jesus, Jesus says, Foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Jesus is saying, all the other animals have nice, cozy homes to come home to at the end of the day. But because I have set my life entirely to following God and doing ministry, I don't have that. And if you follow me, neither will you. And then someone comes to Jesus and says, Lord, let me first bury my father. And a third person comes and says, I will follow you, Lord, but first, let me go say farewell to those in my home. 
And so, with all these interactions, the question is, what comes first? Is it our family that comes first? Or is it our relationship to God? And today, this question is particularly poignant to me as I bring Sophia to the waters of baptism. Because here's the thing. Annalisa and my relationship with Sophia has the potential to be the most profound relationship in Sophia's life. The words that I say to her have as a child may well stick with her her entire life. Now, she may not agree with the things that I say to her, but somewhere in the back of her head, those words will always be rattling around for better or for worse. My words have the power to build Sophia up or to tear her down. And of course, my hope is that my words will always build her up. But the truth of the matter is, I'm human, and there will come a day, probably in about 12 years, <laughs> where she will start ignoring me. She may even disrespect me. She will make boneheaded decisions, and I will get hopping mad. And then a little later in life, she will start to make decisions about what she wants to do with her life and how she's going to live it. And I will tell you what, I will likely have other ideas. What she wants to do with her life may not be what I think she should do with her life, but even more important, what I think she should do with her life may not be what Jesus thinks she should do with her life. Shocking as it may be, Jesus may forget to consult me before he decides Sophia's future. And so when that happens, when in my anger I am unable to tell her that she is God's beloved child, when in my disappointment I tell her to follow a path that is different from the path that Jesus has laid out for her. Sophia needs a way to know that her identity and her destiny doesn't depend on someone as inconsistent as her earthly father, but depends entirely on the ever-constant love of her heavenly father. Baptism is the promise that no matter what Sophia's earthly father says about her, her heavenly father will always say, you are my beloved child. With you I am well pleased. This is the promise of baptism. It is a promise that is made tangible with every drop of water from this day forward. It is a promise that is witnessed to and affirmed by Sophia's godparents, her aunt and her uncle, who are here today, but also by each and every one of you who will see her baptism and who will vow to support her in her baptismal covenant, which means you will not only help her make sure she learns about Jesus in Sunday school, but it means that when the day comes and she reaches an age where she is no longer able to hear from her father and pastor words of divine love, that you, as God's chosen and gathered people here on this earth, will speak those words of love for her. And maybe even remind me, as her father, that while Sophia may be indeed my child, she is first and foremost God's child. Baptism as a parent is an act of surrender. For in baptism, I have to acknowledge that as much as I may want to say, Sophia is mine, she is first and foremost God's.
God has simply entrusted her to me for a time. And so it is not I who get to decide who Sophia is. It is God. It is not I who gets to decide what Sophia will do with her life. It is God. It is not I who gets to decide who Sophia will love. It is God. But what I get to do in the time that I am given to care for her is to love her is to teach her about God's love for her, is to teach her about how Jesus has set her free from every power on this earth that might try to control who she is and what she does with her life, even if that power is me. I do all this in hopes that having taught her the joys of God's life, the joys of love and joy and peace and kindness and generosity and all those other spiritual fruits that she will have experienced the fullness of life that comes from living in God's kingdom and having known that freedom, she might never want to look back to the self-centered debauchery and factionalism that tries to convince us to reject the inheritance that we are promised as God's beloved children. I bring Sophia to the waters of baptism to set her free. But in setting Sophia free, I also set myself free. For in the waters of baptism, I receive assurance for my own fear of my failure as a father. Because I know that Annalisa and I as parents, we will mess up. And there will be a day, hopefully many years from now, in which we will die. And on those days when we are imperfect and on that day when we die, we can rest in the assurance knowing that Sophia has a perfect parent who will care for her always. But even more than that, in the waters of baptism, I am set free from the doubt as to whether or not Sophia truly loves me. For in the waters of baptism, I share with her the fullness of God's love, of what it means to live a life of surrender, of what it means to live a life that fulfills the entirety of the law of loving our neighbor as ourselves. The hope being that Sophia, having experienced such a life, will choose one day for herself to seek first the kingdom of God before everything else, to live it out in service and love of her neighbor not out of obligation, but out of joy. And maybe someday that neighbor will include her dad. Jesus, he may not have a home to go home to at the end of the day, but on the road to ministry, his mother and his brother walk beside him as fellow children in God's kingdom. Peter, Jesus' disciple may leave everything behind to follow, Peter, to follow Jesus, but Peter still heals his mother-in-law by bringing her to Jesus. Jesus is not opposed to caring for our families, but Jesus wants us to be sure we know where our identity and our destiny come from that our self-worth and our capacity to love comes first and foremost from God. And it is from that divine, eternal, and unshakable foundation that we receive the freedom 
to give ourselves away and to love others without fear. So that I, as a parent, when someday Sophia chooses to love me, I may know she does so not out of obligation, but out of joy. And so today, when she comes to the waters of baptism, I will not be the one to baptize her. My good friend, mentor, and retired pastor, Bill Keyes, will have that joyous honor. Instead, I will stand beside the waters of baptism as Sophia's father. And I will acknowledge that God has given me this child to care for, for a time. But today, God vows to care for this child for eternity, an eternity in Christ's freedom. May we be living reminders for each other of that eternal freedom that we have in Christ. Amen.